How much of your life feels peaceful these days? A little bit? Some? A lot? Anybody? <laughs> we'll talk to y'all after the service. If you <laughs> um, well, how much peace do you feel internally even when your life doesn't feel peaceful? Okay, well, how much of the world strikes you as being peaceful these days? Uh, I have to think it would be kind of difficult for one to miss the myriad of areas in which there is conflict in our world. Opposition is flourishing in our times. Seems like almost any point of difference is a point of conflict. The art of dialogue, where has that gone? Within our own nation, a great chasm has occurred. It's either grown or been cultivated, depending on who you talk to. But the sad thing is that while some might see that as, see opposition as an act of strength, I really think it speaks to an underlying anxiety that uh, manifests most clearly on the heels of 9-11 and has been building in other ways since then by the idea that we're not willing to accept and who, who would want to for, for those that have grown up in the United States we've had the impression that we were uh, impervious And we don't feel that way anymore. We are even now questioning whether we will be like all the nations and empires that have come before us and hit a place where we're no longer the top dog. People are concerned about this. The, li the lives that they've always had may not be the same. We're concerned about financial security. We're concerned about trying to decipher all the changes that happen so quickly. And the response to all of these things is to become, whether we express it one way or another, fearful. Those expressions can be to withdraw or they can be to become aggressive. Either way, it's not good communication and odds are that it's going to help set up conflict. When things that people are comfortable with are threatened, it's an instinct to lash out to defend them. It takes great effort to learn the skills of not responding from instinct when the things you care about are, not, are threatened.
The minute our motivation for action becomes rooted in something outside of ourselves, we lose balance and move into a reactive response rather than an active one. Reactive states are not inherently balanced. Under the influence of fear, again, whether that's closing up or lashing out, people become less, seem to become less able to hear. Have you noticed that? Conversations are pretty impeded when no one has ears. And we're so convinced sometimes that our position is the right one that we can't possibly fathom why anybody would see it another way. And what we end up doing is perpetuating the discord. Now, there, is, there are certainly a lot wrong in this world that needs our care and needs our efforts. And I think we do that. We do that work. We invest our time. We, we try to be careful with our choices. We um, are responsible as best we know how for the things that we touch. But I, I feel greatest potential that we have to really make a profound difference in this world is to learn to connect with a deep peace and move from there so that we don't have to express our views to someone who won't be able to hear it anyway. And we can take that time instead to listen to what they're saying and maybe come to a better understanding of why they feel that way. Listening is an art. I'm learning on a daily basis, I hope, how to listen better. Like our reading Lao Tzu indicated, by Lao Tzu indicated, if there's to be peace in the world, it has to start within us. If our lives are crowded, somewhere along the way we need to stop and make the time to learn how to access that peace no matter what's going on around us. I think there are a number of ways to do that. But it's still an investment that has benefits later on. You don't have, you don't have to keep reinvesting because like with uh, anything else in the brain, once a pathway is established, it's easier the next time for your thoughts to go that direction. Developing the habit in the first place is the challenge. On my trip, I was listening to an audio book 
titled My Stroke of Insight. Is anybody familiar with it? By Jill Bolte-Taylor. Jill was, was and is a brain scientist, a neuroanatomist, I think, um, and had the experience of an odd kind of stroke that allowed her to watch her faculties diminish. And as one side of her brain became disabled, she became aware of something that was... We can talk about it in facts, but to experience it would, would, is something entirely other. We can, we can, in our minds, understand that everything we see really isn't a solid object. It's energy and, and protons and neutrons swirling about. But to experience this as energy rather than a solid would be a profound shift in our understanding. One side of her brain shut down a little at a time. She watched the discerning parts of her mind vanish and found a profound, massive sense of herself that was blissful. I mean, all this time, as, as her faculties are diminishing, she's praying for help and working hard to take care of the things she has to just to make sure that someone is going to be able to find her. But as I was driving down the road and looking out at the green grass blowing in the wind, I really started to get a sense of that fluidness between self and everything else. And to hear someone talk about that one half of our mind is dedicated to this piece, or one half of our brain functions from this piece, it seems like all we have to do is start rerouting some thinking to live there. And I think that's probably the state that we're intended to be in. If, there, if you believe in an intention to creation. If we work from that spot... If we develop the tools among ourselves first to listen more than we talk, to listen for understanding and not being anxious to share our own views first, to build bridges across whatever whatever the most difficult relationship is in any community that we're part of. We develop the skills to carry that to the world. We develop the skills to be, generate peace between opposing forces. If we're contributing 
to sides that are pushing against each other, the dynamic doesn't shift. We can still take action, but we don't have to do it from that resistant place. I recommend the book, and I really would like to hear from some of our more science-minded people after they've uh, read it, just to see what you think about what happens to her and and where that makes your thoughts run. Um, Experience of that which is more comes to us in different ways. Our life experiences are not the same, nor will they ever be, nor ought they be. And in that uniqueness, each of us is necessary. I don't necessarily... When I talk about the world's need for peacemakers... I don't necessarily mean anti-war or even radical nonviolence. Uh, I'm not you know, disregarding those possibilities either, but I mean simply those who can calmly accept that we are all children of the same creation. We all started at the same point. Our battles are temporal. But it's so easy to get pulled back in. I can jump track pretty quickly if I turn the news on, on any channel. Sometimes differences can look more like posturing than principle. Or like a function of defiance rather than a direction or dedication to a a real ideal. Misinformation is also a contemporary art. Who would have thought that? And I think this dog has two tails and they're both wagging us. What we need is not apathy for any of this stuff or indifference but engagement in a different way. And I think that we are uniquely situated to learn how to do that and be that for other people. Not impose our views, not try to say we know better, but to bring that peace that has to start inside and perhaps allow the dialogues to happen. There are all kinds of people here today that have done alternatives to violence workshops, and and a lot of that is about facilitating the dialogue. Some of the things we're doing here to try to establish this capacity are the relational cultural workshops that Lady Carlson has been hosting, teaching us to engage with each other, not in intimate ways, but in deeper public ways. Nothing invasive, but still more profound.
ultimately, the only real possibility for a solution to the world's problems is to go to the heart of those problems and change the culture that creates them. And as long as people feel unsafe, which they will, as long as there's opposition, the culture can't dramatically change. From a peaceful center, we can identify ourselves and consequently others as the valuable beings that we are. That perfection that is a part of our being from the start to the end, if there is one. And I don't think there is. Only in valuing even those persons whose opinions and mannerisms we find most difficult to comprehend do we stand a chance of planting the seeds of peace. I think each and every one of us deserves the comfort of knowing that peace. Every day. If we give ourselves permission and opportunity, we can enjoy the wealth that is naturally a part of our very being. Simultaneously, we can create an uncommonly effective community. And we don't have to go out and proselytize about it. That kind of safety is magnetic. Students gravitate to teachers that they feel safe around and honored by We talk most freely with people that we trust. We organize our social lives around trying to find those places where there are people that we trust. Namaste. The light in me salutes the light in you. We're all part of the soup. It's kind of silly for the potatoes to fight the carrots, isn't it? In the Christian Testament of the Bible, the New Testament, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We have certainly been called worse. I think that's a pretty noble aspiration. I want to invite all of us to give a little space in our lives to generating peace. If we don't have space for it, how can there be space for it in the world? How can there possibly be space for it in the world, room in the world for peace? Peace.